Hey friends, my name is Nick Zelt, and this is The Journal Feed, the only place to be spoon-fed the latest and greatest of emergency medicine. Now, if you notice that I sound maybe a little bit different than most weeks, it's because I literally have COVID right now. Recovering from that, luckily I have a home studio at which I record all of this, so I can self-isolate and still make the podcast, if a little bit more scratchy than usual. Now, let's take a quick look ahead at everything we'll be covering. First off, Paxlovid and how well it's working. Second, the WHO of eCPR from Japan. Third, hypothermia and sepsis in infants. Not just a fever you should be watching out for. Fourth, does bent of body mean sound of mind? Yoga for migraines. And then fifth, droperidol is back and it's coming for your kids. Now, if you're hearing this right now, then you are not currently a Journal Feed subscriber, and so you're not going to be receiving the full Journal Feed podcast, only receiving a portion of the past week's articles. Now, don't worry, I picked the good ones, but if you would like to get full access to both the podcast and the blog, then you'll have to become a member. All the details for that are at journalfeed.org. And we don't want money to ever be a barrier to patient care, so if you're having any trouble affording a subscription, then please just get in touch and we'll help you out. This is the audio version of the past week summaries, which this week were brought to you by the patient, Jonathan Brewer, myself, Gabby Leonard, Devin Brar, and Clay Smith. So without further ado, here is the first article titled Effectiveness of Paxlovid in Reducing Severe COVID-19 and Mortality in High-Risk Patients out of the Journal of Clinical and Infectious Diseases. Now, a couple of times now you've heard me talk about nilmatrivir and ritonavir. The brand name is Paxlovid. But I don't think it's enough yet if we're actually going to be prescribing this. So although vaccination is still by far your best bet and your patient's best bet for being safe from COVID, it's nice that we now have an oral outpatient option which we can give to our high-risk patients. This study was a retrospective real-world population-based study out of Israel to evaluate just how well Paxlovid actually works in a non-controlled setting, and it was done recently, January and February of 2022. All high-risk patients, of which there were many, who were 18 years or older, who tested positive for COVID and had no contraindications for Paxlovid, were enrolled. Out of the 180,000 eligible patients, so there are a lot of patients who could, you know, stand to benefit from this, 4,700 patients were treated with Paxlovid. Now, a Cox hazard regression was used to estimate the 28-day hazard ratio for severe COVID or mortality, using Paxlovid as a time-dependent variable. The study showed that Paxlovid, and adequate vaccination by the way, were associated with significantly lower rates of progression to severe infection, a hazard ratio of 0.54, or mortality hazard ratio of 0.2. Since this data was so recent, it actually happened to encapture the Omicron variant, which is really nice because this is kind of real-time stuff. And the Epic HR study, which we covered before, really only mostly covered the Delta variant, which is not necessarily what we're all getting infected with right now. Probably not what I have right now either. Either way, Paxlovid is doing pretty well, and I'm glad to hear it. In a spoonful, Paxlovid was effective at reducing the risk of severe COVID infection and mortality in a real-world sample of patients, which would have likely been infected with Omicron as one of the major variants. Now let's jump over to the fifth article, a systematic review of the effectiveness and safety of droperidol in pediatric agitation in acute care settings out of the Journal of Academic Emergency Medicine. If you can, verbal de-escalation is the preferred method for calming down an agitated patient. Sometimes, though, no amount of words is going to do the trick, and they just need some medication to help mellow things out. 
Droperidol spent a little while away, but now that it's back, it's gaining popularity again. So how about we look at how well it does in the pediatric population who are agitated? This was a systematic review of six studies looking at the effectiveness of droperidol in agitated patients 21 years old or younger. Numbers are pretty low. There's a total of 241 doses given to just under 200 patients aged 7 to 21 years old. Most of these doses were given intramuscularly. Doses ranged from 1 to 10 milligrams. Now, measurements of how well the drug was working were time to sedation, depth, duration, and need for redosing. That's all fair. Overall, the time to sedation was 10 to 20 minutes, and the duration of sedation was one hour. Most patients were able to return to normal activities by two hours, and the majority did not require redosing. Some of the adverse events that you'd think you'd want to watch out for were things like QT prolongation, respiratory depression, dystonic reactions, and hypotension. Overall, these were all really very rare in children. The most common was hypotension, seen in 5% of cases, and next was dystonic reactions, seen in 2.5% of cases. That seems like a lot of hypotension, but 4 out of 5 of these cases were asymptomatic and resolved without any intervention. The other case was a case of hypotension, which resolved with a fluid bolus, so it probably would have gotten better on its own, too. There was only one case of respiratory depression seen in the context of alcohol intoxication and responded well to some supplemental oxygen. Now, the reason that Draperidol lost all that favor and now is back was because it had a black box warning for QT prolongation. And that's mostly been myth-busted as a real thing to fear, and this review supports that. Now, of course, it can indeed prolong the QT interval in a dose-dependent fashion, but arrhythmias as a result of this are extremely rare. Only one patient in this review had QT prolongation, and they had overdose on lamotrigine as well, which could have contributed. As for limitations, on top of there not being that many patients, most of the included trials had high risk of bias. In a spoonful, I can't say that this review really provides any insight onto whether or not Draperidol is better than any of the other options, but it does support that it's both safe and effective. Alright guys, let's do the wrap-up so that I can stop straining my voice. What did we learn today? First off, Paxlovid is out in the real world and it's actually doing its job, reducing the rates of severe infections and even death in high-risk patients. And then fifth, finally, Draperidol is conquering the world in terms of patient sedation. It's coming for you, ketamine. This review extends its use to being safe and effective in children as well. Links to all the articles summarized can be found at journalfeed.org, where the newsletter is the best way to make the podcast into kind of a bite-sized nugget of space repetition. Now, if you're feeling a little bit of FOMO, you want to hear more of the podcast and read more from the blog, then you have to become a member and join us over on the members feed. Our goal here is to provide better patient care through spoon feeding, and so we're trying to help you keep up with the latest research, one spoonful at a time. Thank you.